Hello and welcome to the Pants Party After Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, joined as always by Ben Ross. Ben, that was a rough one. Uh, Michigan 79, Iowa 57. Uh, What's kind of your main takeaway? It's like the after party when you're the DD, I guess. (laughs) You didn't didn't get to enjoy anything. You just were driving around a bunch of drunk people, uh, which is kind of what it was like being on Twitter. Uh, We talked last week, last pod, about like the sky is falling, how how Iowa fans reacted at post the second Indiana loss. Um, and it's, it was just as bad tonight. I don't think it was any better, any worse. Uh, but, oh, I think it's worse in the sense that Michigan's not Indiana. Indiana's not a national title, title contender. I realize this loss is worse in terms of the, uh, um, spread, the deficit, uh, of the loss. Iowa was never really close in the last 15 minutes of this game, 10 minutes. Um, but Michigan's going to be a one seed. They're a lock for a one seed. And Iowa was go- going to have to fight to get a one seed. And, I mean, that, that's the that, that's the rub. Yeah, I, I think the, the best tweet I saw to recap um, this game was from, uh, I think it was Seth Davis, and he said, maybe we need to start talking about how uh, – do Gonzaga and Baylor deserve to be discussed about in the same way as Michigan is? Because what I saw from Michigan, and, and I I recognize that this is an Iowa podcast, but what I saw from Michigan was a team that has absolutely no flaws. no None on offense, none on defense. Everyone can shoot. They can switch on defense. Franz Wagner, who I think somehow I underselled it in the, the recap just – tore Wieskamp apart, tore McCaffrey apart. And then to, to add insult to injury, when, when Iowa starts to make a run, um, you know, Jawan Howard just completely outcoaches Fran. And it's it's not an indictment on Fran to say that Jawan Howard is maybe a top five coach in the country. But what he did to stifle Iowa's run and – flip the game back on its head within those four minutes was just impressive as hell. Now, Fran had no business taking out Wieskamp after he had a, a, a strong point, but part of that is just Iowa just doesn't necessarily have that same type of depth as Michigan. So those minutes from Wieskamp in the first half where he, he plays, I think, close to 20, um, it wears on him in the second. Yeah, he had 16, so he was get due for his rest and then finishing with 32. But, man, it, just a, an absolute clinic from Michigan. And uh, the takeaway as an Iowa fan isn't what this team could have been with a healthy Jack Nungy and Connor McCaffrey, but um, th- there are just too many – little little scabs that you can kind of pick at with Iowa um, that Michigan is very capable of doing because I think Michigan is a unique team in having someone who can defend Garza one-on-one. Dickinson did as great a job as anyone. Um, but, you know, you there aren't – there isn't a tree of Hunter Dickinsons out there, so 
thankfully Garza is going to have an advantage in almost any other matchup. If when we look at it from a big picture standpoint, I want to go to the depth thing in a second, but uh, I'm glad you brought up the Seth Davis tweet. Cause my favorite tweet that I think encapsulates the game is Iowa free falls to number five in Ken Palm after losing to number three, Michigan. That's from our friend, irrational Hawkeye. Um, and then he had another good tweet or retweet Luca Garza. We battled for 24 minutes and that's disappointing because we needed to battle for 40. It's um, agree with both those things. I mean, yeah, Garza kind of got. It was the first time he's gotten like kind of kind of worked. He still ended with 17 points this game. Um, the depth thing. Uh, I don't know if we want to talk about the Nunji and McCaffrey stuff later on. The issue I have with that is like I don't think having either of them 100 percent for the entire game changes the South. It may, maybe it makes it a 15 point game, but I don't think it it changes the the result. No, and, and that's mainly my point. Like, yeah. I, I think that maybe it makes Garza better, but like, it, it's tough to say. Like, I, I think if there's anything structurally that Iowa failed at, it was um, not becoming a five-out team throughout kind of the the whole game. Uh, you saw a little bit of it with Nunji in there, and Iowa did a very good job early at being aggressive in – um, taking one-on-one matchups. Like, I, I know that they're not necessarily the the strongest drivers and finishers, but um, being able to recognize that Michigan's playing defense one way, they didn't want to give up any threes, and countering that I thought was awesome. Uh, it, it felt like early in the second half, um, Garza was able to hit that three turn the lineup inverted and maybe they could make a run with a lot more cutting and less post-based offense. And they just never really went to that, but really it would have taken perfection out of Iowa in that second half, especially um, when you consider some of the spots that they were in, Um, you know, like that to me that it wasn't a turning point in the game, but it was basically the, the nail in the coffin that, um, 12 minute point to eight minute point, And it was never a game after that and credit to Michigan. Uh, hopefully Iowa learns from it, but, um, it's really kind of hard to be too mad at it when you like, you know, the, the, Michigan's just a really good team and, and Iowa has areas where they can improve. So, so, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing too. It's like nothing, there's nothing that Fran did that really, you know, upset me. It was like, in, the, in our sock, we're talking about, all right, where's, uh, where are the subs? And the subs get in, and Toussaint turns it over. Then Ulis goes in for Toussaint. Then Ulis, Ulis turns it over two, and two, two times in a row. Pat totally completely whiffs on a wide open breakaway. Um, it, it's just a learning curve. Did Tony Perkins even get in the game at all? Um, Tony Perkins was there in the last possession of the first half, and – then not until garbage time in the second half. Okay, so, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even I didn't watch the last two minutes. I didn't even watch garbage time. Um, <laughs> I was putting around uh, on the 18th when nobody was looking. I I want to talk about the first half. Was like what what was the we were down three or four and a half of the first half, which I thought was like incredible. Uh, I was super happy to be there, especially the way the first half was going. The I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it's a complete and total ref show. The 
Luka Garza <laughs> got bear hugged on that. I have never, <laughs> yeah. I have never ever seen that before in my entire life in a basketball game, and he got. He got a, 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 a tea, or not a tea, um, a flagrant. Basically, a flagrant, flagrant. yeah. And I, I, that is absolutely, positively mind-blowing. And again, it didn't change the outcome of the game. And I thought, I'm glad the entire game didn't go that way. It was a complete and total ref show. It was absolutely asinine. And I just want to talk about it as, from a viewing perspective, because I don't think it, again, I don't think it influenced the game in the long, long run, which you have to be thankful for, because you kind of – yeah. I mean, you have to wonder why did why did the second half get called so differently than the first half? I'm a I'm 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 in both camps when you say you know a foul in the first minute of the game is a foul in the last minute of the game. I I believe I believe that, but at the same time, I kind of think it's BS. But like it was like two different re- uh, officiating crews in, in in the second half. But I'll, I also in the same time, like Fran got his tee, and then somebody retweeted Juwan Howard screaming maskless at uh, one of the referees <laughs> at midcourt. And nothing happened. I just don't understand. Obviously, we don't know exactly what Fran said. I could read his lips. I didn't see a four-letter word come out of his mouth there. Um, it's it, it was. I mean, we the Big Ten officiating leaves a lot to be desired. And I guess I'm looking forward to the tourney where we can maybe get some yeah. ACC refs up in here and uh, finally uh, see how this team performs. And we. When uh, we're calling the game from uh, where we're where basketball event in Kansas, I guess that doesn't really change. My, that doesn't help my point. Well, I, I yeah, not to belabor the refereeing thing, but the thing that bothered me is like Michigan's not a team that necessarily plays total hand check defense. I love the way they play defense. I think they do a really good job of chesting guys, and you know, there's going to be some amount of hand checking involved in a Big Ten game, but they, they're not playing a game that requires the refs to overexert their will on it to keep everything in line. My guess is maybe there was some residual Io Dasunmu, Michigan State. They just got something like, hey, be careful. Don't let games get out of hand. So they didn't want this game to get out of hand. But I, I never thought that it would have ever gotten out of hand. But um, yeah, to, to me, this is the, the classic, something that, Luca Garza, I listened to his two interviews on the ESPN uh, podcasts, and the one with Greenberg and Dockich, of all people, um, basically, they kind of framed it as, are you just looking forward to getting to the NCAA tournament, which is exactly your point, Ben, where um, you see different people, you aren't playing um, guys who are scouting you like the Big Ten can, and like I look at Michigan's schedule and those 21 days off, those are 21 days that they didn't have to play seven or six, six games. They could build their book on whatever games are going to get rescheduled and just scout as a, from a, a coaching perspective. So they could still practice just, 20 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're still a great team and they're deserving of their record, but the, I think we're going to look more and more at that delay and be a little perplexed by it just because, man, they, they, they just look so good. They really do. Like, they look fresh. Like, And I think that goes kind of back to my point about when Howard called that timeout, Fran ran out a lineup with just Bohan and Garza for starters. And uh, Howard was able to keep, you know, his three best players on the court 
I mean, I guess Iowa had two of their best players, but point remains like he, it, they top to bottom, I think are even better than Gonzaga. And that's kind of, maybe it's different at an Iowa home game, but kind of not like they just really were. I, I don't know how much of what happens can be applied in future games to teams that aren't Michigan if I'm Iowa. Like they're that that's how good I think Michigan is. So I'm I'm not overly concerned outside of any residual injury impact from Nunji and, and Connor McCaffrey. Do you think so? I mean eventually the yeah, do you think water will find its level with Michigan in terms of their finding their legs, I guess. Like there how many I don't know how many games they're playing down the stretch, I guess, and then one come Big Ten tournament time, then NCAA tournament time. They're gonna I feel like they're gonna eventually um you know the the, the playing field in that sense will get leveled. But right now they are definitely fresher than everybody else are they're facing. Yeah, I mean they play four games to finish the season Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Um We'll see. I mean, it, there are games that Ken Palm has them favored at 70% or more. Um, and I mean, this was a, a 55 to 60% game, I think Ken Palm had it at. And I mean, they just absolutely looked apart. I, um, I guess looking forward a little more to Iowa because ostensibly we are an Iowa podcast. Um, on paper, what do you make yeah. on paper? Yeah. What do you make of um, the injuries Iowa sustained as we look towards uh, the the Ohio State game? I mean, it's it's it stinks. Both of them. Um, it, lo- yeah. it sounded like, I mean, it sounded like preparing for the worst for Nunji, and mm-hmm. it's it was the same knee where he tore his ACL last year, right? Or his right knee, and then Pat, uh, not Pat, excuse me, Connor. They, I, I think Fran said we're hoping to have him ready for Ohio State. So I, I think it's because he, he went back to the bench pretty quickly after going to the mm-hmm. locker room. Um, so with Nunji, my biggest concern is depth. Like, do we see Gundele? Is that how you pronounce his last name now? Or do we see, I mean, without, you know, Garza's going to have to take, he's going to have to sit to five to 10 minutes every game. And so when he's on the bench, we're going to have a tiny lineup so to speak, then, I mean, we're Keegan Murray's going to be playing the five. Yeah, I think that's what it turns into. Um, I, I was encouraged by the way Keegan Murray played. I'm always encouraged by the way he plays. He's just so he had healed. Sorry. Uh, I mean, like, he, in the second half, when I went down 11, I think, he had five straight points, and it was like, oh, we're back. And then I think that was when the, then Toussaint had a really dumb turnover. I think this is the same sequence. Or either or Bohan, I just can't remember, you know, age is getting to me. Uh, it was either, maybe you know, it was either Bohan or Mr. It was, it was Euless. It was Euless. Okay, so Euless had, yeah. had a bad turnover, and then that, that that was it. That was when the game ended right there. So I really, yeah. it felt like Iowa could have gone on a run and, and it, made it, it made it closer, and then uh, Euless had a turnover, and Michigan scored four on answer to go back up 12, and that was that. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's tough. Um, I, I do think Ohio, Ohio State might be an okay matchup, especially if Kyle Young is out for them. I know he has a concussion and, and is missing the uh, Michigan State game as we record this. 
Um, so if he's not ready for Sunday, then I think Iowa's um, probably fine with Murray. And then if you look Nebraska, they don't really have a true five. And then you get back to Wisconsin, Reavers and Potter. I think Potter probably has an edge over Murray, but Murray can probably be fine against Reavers if he's called into action. But I, my guess is we just see a lot of um, a lot of Garza playing 38 minutes a game and just trying to to maximize the two minutes he's out. So I want to go back. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I'm not sure how much I'm going to do on this. I want to go back to last pod we said that. You, you at the start of this party said I was kind of playing with house money and last week. We said you know I was, they're in a really good position for this for these next two games because no matter the out, no matter the outcomes, really, uh, we're going to be okay with Iowa's positioning, barring two blowouts. Well, we're starting at one blowout. One blowout, yeah. Right now, so what happens if Iowa gets blown out against Ohio State? I think how it happens is going to be very important. Like I actually, I think what we're seeing from a, an immediate reaction standpoint is almost all pro Michigan uh, takes. I I don't think Iowa is really getting um, a lot of scorn. I I think this is a very good team going up against a great, maybe elite team. Um, and then Iowa just didn't miss shots. Like, I think that's the other thing, or didn't make shots. Like, they were 35%. Wisconsin did a – or, excuse me, Michigan did a very good job of defending the three-point line. But Iowa missed a lot of makeable shots, and that's part of the game. I think Fran was given a little bit of grief for not saying – for saying, oh, it wasn't dysfunction what happened on offense. And really, it wasn't. It's not like Iowa was committing 18, 20 turnovers and uh, giving up clean points. They were just missing shots, and – um, maybe if Iowa struggles with turnovers or um, has a game go even worse than this, I think that that's probably, uh, you know, you start seeing everything kind of rev back up a little bit. But ultimately, I think the fact that Michigan looks, they, they just look so good, especially when you compare Baylor, they couldn't beat Iowa State handily even though they were coming out of a COVID pause. Like, I mean, Gonzaga had some trouble with Santa Clara tonight. Michigan just, uh, I think the confluence of events doesn't hurt Iowa maybe as much as I thought that it could have, especially considering Iowa played, uh, I think we both agree, a, a pretty strong, and, and to Garza's point, 24 minutes. And then once once those 24 minutes went past, it it kind of fell off the rails, which, which stinks. I was absolutely shocked to learn after looking at the box score that I only had nine turnovers. It felt like, yeah. a, it felt like a 15 turnover games because I think three came in one minute between uh, Ulysses and Toussaint. Like, I, I hate how I keep <laughs> yeah. on, I hate how I keep on bringing up those two, but it, it happened. Um, like just no, the, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is I only had four assists the whole night. Yeah. Insane. Absolute insanity. I've never seen a team with that few assists. Uh, but also, we also scored 57 points in, in, in 40 minutes, so, so it makes sense. 
And we had, yeah, I mean, Iowa, Iowa made what they made 21 shots. Uh, yeah. Four assists on that. That's crazy. We had eight bench. That really is crazy. Eight bench points. Seven came from Keegan Murray. Tucson went one for two from free throws. Like McCaffrey had a goose egg, uh, but we missed all that time. Um, it's God. It just feels so weird to be so okay with a twenty-two point loss. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but I think that this is my broad kind of read on on Iowa fans. Is they're very pre- present company included. I think we're very good at maybe taking one loss. All right, it's when they start to build which uh, is what gets gets a little ugly. Like, like I think about even if we look earlier this season with the Indiana game, uh, oh, C.J. Frederick, he went out. That's fine. Um, but then, you know, they lost three of the next four, and then the, the world was on fire. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen here. I think Iowa, you know, they, they, it's – it's what it is. Like, I think everyone recognizes, hey, seeding is the important thing. These games aren't necessarily going to negatively affect seeding, especially since we see some of the losses happen that we're seeing with, like, Alabama losing to Arkansas. That's a worse loss than this, um, even though it's not a, necessarily a bad loss. Uh, just these games happen, and it happened against the best team I was faced in two months. So, you, you live with it and you move on. I was such a good drug dealer in that, like, we we have those crushing losses and we go on and then we get get the good drugs back. We go on four straight wins and then, and then we're, getting the, <laughs> we're, getting the, we're getting the bunk. I don't know what street for bad drugs is, but we're getting the, we got the bunk stuff tonight and then we're going to you know, maybe get shot up with the good stuff against Ohio state, or we don't know what we're going to get um, on Sunday, but it's, we're going to be coming back for more and more. Uh, yes. Just, oh, that's yeah. just fandom, I guess, to make a really bad analogy between Iowa Hawkeye fandom and a drug addiction. Yeah. I think I may have mentioned this on another podcast, but French Frischilla had kind of a great tweet, which was every team's going to have five, horrible games and five absolutely great games. Um, what, what they do, the re- the other 20 is what matters. And it's easy to chalk this up to being um, simply just a bad game. Michigan made it a bad game, um, but uh, move on to the next one, a team that Iowa played to the wire at home and, and hope that uh, things can go a little bit differently with um, the way things went. Because like, as JP said, Iowa's defense actually, went up, believe it or not, from adjusted Kempom. So make of that what you will. The offense went down, but the defense went up, which, hey, if we're going to take something, might as well take that. Yeah, we'll take it because we we got no other options. We're drug addicts. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So any any closing – Closing points, Ben, or are you gonna you gonna end this on on your drug analogy? Yeah, I mean it's legal in Arizona now, so. Oh, okay. So when you're talking about drugs, you're talking about uh, the marijuana specifically. I guess it's actually not legal in the county I'm staying in, so <laughs> not not that it matters. <laughs> not that it matters. Yeah. Not that it matters. 
Alrighty. Well, um, for Ben Ross, I am Harrison Starr. Go Hawks. Let's see if they can get it on Sunday. Blaze it.